Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. I hope you guys are doing incredible today. I'm going to plug these books real quick while folks are signing in. Brian's book, From Fear to Love, that you can get on promotion at feartolovebook.com. We also have the Great Behavior Breakdown. We've got these two on our website bundled together for a little discount. Postinstitute.com is our website. And then we also have this incredible new workbook that I am suggesting to everyone. Um, it invites you into a deeper understanding, self-exploration, understanding um, important parts and important aspects of how trauma changes the mind-body system, structures in the brain that are literally changed by trauma. And hey, Carrie, it's so good to see you this evening. Loved seeing your um, Mother's Day pictures yesterday. Those were beautiful. Um, there are many people who are members. We have a membership, in case you didn't know, let me tell you about that. We have a membership called the New Parenting Revolution. It is an incredible learning platform, has over 50 hours of information, Plus, we have a top secret private Facebook page. And in order to access, the, in order to get invited to the Facebook page, you have to be a member and then you have to friend request me. And so the beauty that I think, the beauty of that is, is then I also get to see pictures of people's families and I get to see things that they're celebrating with their children. And I don't know, I just love it. I love it that we can get to know one another on a more personal basis and pour into one another. So let's get to the topic tonight. The topic tonight is that parenting is much more an emotional process than a cognitive one. And actually I um, shared this quote from the book, From Fear to Love, and I shared it from because I've got several copies. <laughs> I shared it from a copy that I happen to have in my car that I happen to have highlighted. And now I'm looking at a copy of the book that isn't highlighted. So I'm having to find it. <laughs> so give me just a second. Here we go. Here we go. Page 32. So I'm just going to read from this and then we're going to talk a little bit. Um, it's critical to understand that parenting is much more an emotional exercise than a cognitive one. The most important elements of parenting, and you're not even going to believe it, the most important elements in parenting lie in facial expression, timing, intensity, tone of voice, gestures, and eye contact. All of those. Hey, Lisa. Oh, here. Let me just brag for a minute since I've got you here. Um, I've not got to show this to uh, everyone. I have big plans. I just don't move as fast as I used to. I have big plans to have uh, my wall behind me. I've got some posters that I want to put up and I want to create an art gallery. And I had actually, Lisa's in our membership too. I had put out a call to our membership for pieces of art. And she said, Lisa sent me this beautiful picture, um, this beautiful photograph taken in Florida by her son. And it is a beautiful, like, Honestly, Lisa, I'm kind of glad that I don't have my board yet because I keep this on my desk and it brings me, you can let 
your son know if it feels appropriate. Let him know that it brings me joy every day. Just my little oasis. Yeah, so let me repeat that. The most important elements of parenting lie in facial expression, timing, intensity, tone of voice, gestures, and eye contact. It didn't say the words you use. Didn't say how loud you scream. Didn't say anything about what you threaten. Didn't say any of that, did it? said the most important elements of parenting lie in facial expression, timing, intensity, tone of voice, gestures, and eye contact. And all of those things flow from our subconscious. So that's pretty important, isn't it? And so when it's something that flows from our subconscious, that also means it's directly connected to the posture of our heart. So when you're getting frustrated, it shows. It shows on your face. It shows in your tone of voice. You can say the very same words like Jason. I'm just going to use Jason as an example. Jason says, absolutely, 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 right? The tone of my voice, the change of my face, it all shows. Uh, I had to work really hard on my rustic face. <laughs> That was an, that was edited, Brenda, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we all have a different face when we're just resting and relaxed. I understand that, that funny phrase that people have come up with. Um, and my daughter is the best at catching me. Like, I had no idea how often I sit around with my mouth open because I'm thinking. <laughs> but she always catches that picture of me, like, looking like that. <laughs> Timing, intensity, tone of voice, facial expressions, eye contact, all of that is coming from the subconscious, and here's the thing, it can also speak directly to our child's subconscious because they are tend to be hypervigilant out of the experiences of trauma. Oftentimes, our children are very vigilant. They're very watchful. They don't know they're being vigilant. They're not intentionally being vigilant. It's coming from their subconscious too. It's coming from a part of their brain that is helping them be protected because if they came from a situation where there was harm or neglect, then they are going to be vigilant at a place in their subconscious in order to help themselves protect. So when a look crosses your face or a tone of voice crosses your vocal cords, they pick that up really, really quick. Timing, intensity, and tone of voice. I had a mom. This was so interesting. I had a mom. Uh, we spoke today. She was like, you know, I almost called you a couple of weeks back because we got into a little situation. My son was being defended, highly defended, argumentative, said some really nasty things. And I went towards him. And I noticed immediately when I went towards him, I saw the look of fear. I saw it on his face. I like it was so clear that he was scared by my approach. So I backed off. In fact, I ended up leaving the room and then later we came back and talked about it. And so what I found to be so interesting about that, this is a, a family I'd done some coaching with quite a while back, um, is how much she noticed. I loved that she noticed. She was able to notice how her approach to how her approaching caused a level of fear and she was like that is not I do not want to create that because that's just going to create more of the same I want to 
invite more calm. I see that his behavior is escalating and the more I approach, the more it's going to escalate. So I need to figure out how to add calm. And so she just backed away. And then they came back later and had a really, she said it was like a really, really good. She said it was one of the best conversations they'd ever had. And how it came about is she just simply said, I noticed, I noticed when we were in that little situation that when I came towards you, you looked really scared and I did not want to scare you. And it invite because of how it transpired and because they've been working hard and because then she just, she didn't say anything about anything he did because that's just going to get more defense. So she just talked about what she did and how she saw that what she did scared him. And it invited this space, it created this space where he actually was able to say, yeah, now that I look back, I was really disrespectful to you. Oh my gosh, right? Oh my God, what a great, oh my gosh moment to have with a tween, with a, with a 13-year-old young man where literally two years ago they were fighting at every turn and it was like a wrestling match to try to get the, into the car to go to school or even to get in the car to go to an activity that he even was signed up for that he signed himself up for that he wanted to participate in. But you know, those transitions, how they can get so sticky. And here we are three years later having a conversation where he is able to say, yeah, I also realized that I was being really disrespectful. Uh, woo, 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 woo. Insight at 13, that is amazing. I would almost say that the only thing I could say about this parenting model that could be viewed as the downside is that you may end up raising children who are more, motion, more emotionally mature than half of the adults that they're gonna be in contact with. <laughs> so, man, timing, intensity, tone of voice, and eye contact. Because those things flow out of our subconscious, the only way we can really be addressing it is when we really address the position of our heart. That way our interactions are, are they're authentic and you know, we're human. And so the more we can speak our truth, like, man, I'm getting really hot right now. I can feel my head is on fire. It, I actually said this um, in a hospital situation about, um, gosh, it was, I guess it was last year around this time. Um, it was hot. It was so hot at the do at the doctor, <laughs> and I said what I needed to say, and then the doctor said, um, I can't even remember what she said, but it was like she invited us into continuing this conversation. I was like, no, I can see that I am only adding stress to this situation. And it's my responsibility to take care of that. And so I am going to step outside the door so I can remove my stress and my anxiety from what is going on right now. So that's how I handle those things, those moments when my head, my lid is flipped as could be. If, the, if I can put those thoughts together and articulate them where I can simply say, I can feel myself getting elevated and it's just going to be best if I walk out the door and I will be back when I am a little more calm. Um, I've also been known to say, 
Right now, I am so stressed that I don't have anything to offer to support you. I've said that to my child when we were in very critical situations. Um, that at least is letting them know, like in the moment, like I can't, e I don't even have, I can't even comfort you right now because this is a really big, serious situation. We need to get some help. <laughs> we were in a quite the pickle where the wheelchair was stuck and I thought my daughter was going to like literally fall and get injured. And so she was scared. I was scared. But I didn't have the capacity to comfort her in that moment. But I didn't want her to feel bad. I mean, she wasn't doing anything wrong, right? So I, I'm glad. Like I was so thankful, so thankful for this knowledge, this isn't knowledge I was raised with, as nothing, like I wasn't raised in this model at all, but it is such that transparency, the not always having to have all of the answers, being able to say, I don't know, but we'll find out, you know, timing, intensity, tone of voice, eye contact, all these things that flow from our subconscious, and how can we can get triggered, just like anybody else, our set, you know, we can flip our lid, our amygdala can get hijacked, we can get super activated. And in those places, if we've not done the work on the position of our heart, we can fly off the handle. We can we can turn a difficult situation into a terrible situation with our but with our facial expressions with having an attitude, with using sarcasm. Um, you know, and I'm not saying sarcasm is a bad thing, but there's a time and a place for everything. And especially when our kids are distressed and upset, that's not the time for it. Um, so you have to just really keep your finger on your pulse. Brian uses that term attuned. Hey, Jason, thank you. Being attuned, like when you, thank you, Lisa, when you think about music and harmony, um, and being able to be attuned to the ebb and flow of your child and their emotions. And as we are attuned to them over time, they become attuned to us. It's, it's like, a, it's like an, the advanced stages of attachment and bonding. When you sense that flow, um, when you can sense... I, people talk about, you know, that do, do what I say and not what I do. Uh, that never worked. They're always watching us and they're also always feeling us. They're always feeling the energetic vibration. And so it's just better to claim, claim your emotional state, state it out loud. We're not very good at that. We're just, you know, a lot of us, we didn't grow up having permission to even have our feelings and so we're not always the best. You know, a lot of us, we were sent away with our upset feelings to sort them out. Um, we were told to fix our face. We were told ain't nobody got time for that mess. And so we don't have a lot of experience in the moment, especially from our own formative years, right? So our, our own brain formation hasn't really been created in a way where we are even fully aware of our own emotions. So that's the work for us as adults. A big piece of work for us as adults is slowing down, checking, check yourself, check your body, check, you know, check your shoulders, check the places where you tend to hold your stress. 
and notice how you're feeling and then learn how to put it into words like being able to say man you know i'm feeling really stressed right now i think i need to take a break i need to take a break and i need to take a few deep breaths when we are able to do that as adults they are seeing us all the time they are learning and it also helps them make sense out of why we're acting the way we're acting. If we are like grumpy and fussy budgets and we're just like all but we don't, but we say we're fine, that's just confusing. And especially when you're talking about children who are trying to, like they're trying to protect themselves. Their subconscious is picking all of this up. And so they're picking up all these like pricklies, but you're saying you're fine you're not helping. <laughs> it doesn't help to say you're fine when you're not fine. You can say, I'm feeling fatigued. Um, maybe my maybe my nutrition's off. I need to get some protein because like my last nerve is feeling like it's frazzled. You just begin to speak these things out loud. One, it takes, it helps take the energy out of it. When it passes, just simply letting those things cross your lips with words. And you'll just notice, like, the, the, like the, imagine it being like this balloon of energy. And when you speak it, it just deflates. It just deflates it. It takes all that compressed. And it's like the same, the same thing happens with tears. If you breathe while you're crying instead of holding your breath, we do this thing because we've been taught not to share our feelings. And so when we have emotion come up and we feel tearful, the first thing we do is kind of hold our breath and our face gets all scrunched up, right? Because we're just we're trying really hard to hold it in because we were told never to cry and not to, people don't want to see our tears. And, <laughs> and when we do that, it lasts a really long time and it just gets suppressed so that it can get connected to the next time. And then we suppress and we, I mean, pretty soon we're just up to here with emotions that we've never just allow to come out. If you feel tearful, just take a deep breath and let it flow. You'll be amazed at how quickly it resolves. And then we can teach our child that same thing. We can teach them just to take a deep breath. They're just tears, let them out. It's okay. It's a good release. It's good to release that. It's not good for us to hold it in. There's a whole lot of room out here for all those emotions to be and just let them float away. So out of a little simple, a little simple short paragraph, and I think last time or when that was posted, um, somebody asked me what page it was on. That's actually on page 32 of the book From Fear to Love. And in this same para, in this same little chapter, uh, Brian talks about state level memory and how we can interrupt, sometimes we can interrupt these moments of stress before they get hyper-elevated. When you start sensing in that place of attunement, when you start sensing that your child is in that place of dis-ease, they're not comfortable, they're getting a little agitated, they're getting a little grumpy, getting a little, you can feel the pricklies, you're beginning to feel it. And a lot of times what we'll wanna do is we, we, we've been taught just like we've been taught to avoid our upset parents, right? If if dad's throwing a fit because he's just smashed his finger with the hammer, then we've been taught to stay out of the way and get quiet. Like get quiet 
and get invisible so you're not a target, right? So when our children, we learn then when prickly feelings are around to get quiet and get invisible, when in fact with our kids, if we just walk up and a confident, loving touch can actually help access that state level of memory. So they're prickly and their pricklies probably are connected to some other things, right? And that's how it gets elevated into being so big and a simple loving touch on the shoulder. Like, I'm right here, baby. I got you. I see you. I feel you. You know, it can communicate so much. Safe loving touch. Safe loving touch can be a direct pathway straight into that state level of memory. So, and Joni, thank you too. And Brenda, thank you. Thank you guys for all showing up. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your stars. Um, I appreciate y'all so much. I hope you have a blessed evening. If you've not already done so today, just let this message percolate a little bit. You guys are really amazing. You're really amazing parents doing really amazing work. You came into this because you felt like you had love that needed to be given away. You felt like you had love that just needed to be given away to somebody who needed it. And that is true. That is absolutely the truth. We get sidetracked. We get caught up in things that we get the impression are more important. The world will give you the impression that certain things are more important than creating safe, loving relationships with your children. But I'm going to tell you, everything that you want is right on the other side of relationship. The relationship that you're building is the vehicle for connection. And connection is the vehicle for everything that you're wanting to accomplish. So, if you've not already done so, you press pause on everything. Give yourself five or ten minutes just to maybe even... Maybe, maybe even if you haven't, if you haven't done this, maybe pull out a baby picture. Maybe pull, pull out a baby picture when they were little and it was, life wasn't so complicated and fall back in love with your children and let the love you have from them shine from your eyes. Let them feel it from your body and go spend some time with them. Their favorite language is play. So whatever that looks like in your family, go shoot some hoops Wrestle around on the floor, take a walk, go pick some wildflowers, collect some random rocks, flop on their bed, ask them what's going on in their phone life. If you want to talk to them about how their school day was, ask them something random like, what did you have for lunch? Who did you sit with in the cafeteria? Let's just keep it something where you know you're going to get something a little more specific than no, I didn't learn anything, and no, we didn't do anything. <laughs> My daughter used to say, no, we didn't do anything, and I would say, well, then I'm going to need to call that teacher if she's just got you up there wasting eight hours of your day doing nothing. <laughs> She'd always get a little chuckle out of that. Keep humor in place. Let them feel your love. Remember, in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. We can all flip our lid. We can take one to two to three deep breaths. We can choose love. Much love to you guys. Have a blessed evening. We'll see you all tomorrow.